Hello and welcome to the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. I'm your host, Adam Caster. Here as always, my co-host, Ed Birdsall. Mr. Birdsall, what a wacky, crazy week of football that we have. And a lot of bounce backs, a lot of uh, game of the years, or one game of the year, one replacement for the Odo Beckham catch, which is a replacement for the Odo Beckham catch because the Vikings won. <laughs> they won the game. They won the game. Therefore, it is a better catch. It's like the Tyree catch. The Tyree catch is a better catch than the Odell catch because that helped the Giants win a Super Bowl. So for all the people, for all the people that are saying, oh, it's just my Cowboys bias uh, coming through. No, the Tyree catch is a better catch. The Tyree catch won you a Super Bowl. Yeah. Well, it's a different kind of catch than a one-handed. Sure. Catch. Sure. sure. But yeah, but, it, was a, it was a wacky a very very wacky week. A lot of uh, a lot of unknowns. I think, or I guess, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, guys that necessarily weren't on the fa- fantasy radar that were that were scoring this week. Unheralded players, we'll say. Unheralded players. Yeah, yeah. A lot of bounce backs. Much needed bounce backs. Some real star making performances. And uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna go through them and. Hopefully it won't be an hour and a half podcast because uh, Yellowstone is on right now. And so is Sunday night football. And I want to uh, watch Sunday night football and watch Yellowstone. All right. Well, then let's get going. We'll start with Thursday and the uh, Falcons and the Panthers. Surprising result for this game. Um, Just please don't start kickers when the weather's bad. Yep. Check the weather reports if you have to. Please. There are a thousand sites out there that'll give you up-to-date weather. Like, I mean, hell, I know on CBS, they gi- they give you the damn weather. They do. They do. Um, but good return to form for Deonta Foreman. I mean, that's the story in this game. Deonta Foreman still got it. Even though, and the key is, Chuba Hubbard was active in this game. And Deonta Foreman still took it over. But also, yeah. it's the Falcons. Well, yeah, I mean, it's 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 also the Falcons, sure, but uh, Deonta Foreman was was the guy yet again, and even even Raheem Blackshear was the next guy up. It wasn't even Chuba Hubbard. I mean, Raheem Blackshear had six carries in the game and actually looked half decent, uh, and then Chuba Hubbard had five. So then, of course, Deonta Foreman, who had thirty-one carries for a hundred and thirty yards and a touchdown. Uh, yeah, Foreman looked great again. I just want to advise caution with. Uh, analyzing Devont- Deonta Foreman just because his monster games came against Tampa, who does not have the best run defense in the world, came against Atlanta, who do not have the best run defense in the world, and came up against Atlanta again. So just be mindful of that. They have two much better run defenses over the course of the next two weeks. They go to Baltimore and they host Denver before they're by in week 13. So if your trade deadlines are still active, May not be a bad idea to try and uh, and try and sell high on Deonta Foreman with, you know, some fantasy manager out there saying, oh, this guy's had 100 yards rushing in three of the last four weeks. Maybe that could be something that I want to go after. The schedule does get a little bit tougher for Deonta Foreman moving forward. Yeah. And I mean, Tampa's run defense isn't like they're not world beaters or I mean, they are. They're pretty good, actually, is what I meant to say, because they did well against uh, Gino and Kenneth Walker. They, they was, well, I mean, we'll we'll get to that game in, 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 definitely in a minute. But, you know, in short for right now, uh, that was the most complete effort that I think I've seen from the Buccaneers since week one. 
Yeah. It was. But we'll get there. That's the next game. Uh, gives us the early, early one on Sunday. But for the Falcons, how much of this is the weather? How much of this is just Marcus Mariota not, not being a good quarterback? And like not because like there were some he missed some gimme throws. And I mean there were some drops also in this game, but he missed some gimme throws against it, the Panthers. It was a little bit of both. It was a little bit of Mariota not being very good, the team not being very good. I honestly I thought the game plan was just all wrong. I, re- I really thought that they were going to give Cordero Patterson um and even the running backs in general uh more opportunity to really assert themselves between Tyler Algier, Cordero Patterson, Caleb Huntley and Avery Williams, they, there were only 22 designed uh, running back runs. And then if you look at Marcus Mariota, he had three carries, all of his own. I thought this was going to be much more of a run-heavy game from Atlanta for the start, from the start. And then obviously it, ev- it evolved into, oh, shit, well, they can't really throw uh, run the ball because they're down. They got to start throwing, which is not the game that Atlanta wants to play. But early on, they were not, they were not running the ball as much, and I really thought they were going to. And I just thought that was just, you know, it was not really a good game plan from Atlanta's point of view. I mean, but, maybe Arthur Smith didn't check the weather report. Uh, hard, hard, hard not to. Hard not to. <laughs> but, I don't know. I mean, the game plan, like having 25 total carries as a team compared to Carolina, who had 47 total carries as a yeah. team. I mean, I, you wonder why the result is the way it is. And I mean, look, I, I, I get a credit to, to, to Steve Wilkes. I mean, he's done an unbelievable job in mm-hmm. terms of riding that ship because that was a team. I mean, let, let's, let's just face it. You know, they, they traded Christian McCaffrey. Uh, they have no starting quarterback right now. Uh, the team is a mess. They need to just scrap everything and start over. Uh, two of their other best players were rumored to be out the door with Brian Burns and DJ Moore. And they've really righted this ship so, so, so smoothly that, yeah, it's not going to be pretty. You know, they're not going to win every game going forward. They're not even going to be a playoff team, more likely than not. But are they are they at least going to be a competitive, tough out the rest of the way? Yes, because even bad teams do improve. Yep, absolutely. Um, another kind of down week for Kyle Pitts, but uh, Drake London scored, so that's good. Yeah, a, a much needed bounce back for Drake London. His first touchdown since week three. His first double-digit fantasy point day in full-point PPR since week three as well. So uh, good for Drake London for getting back on the score sheet. I still would not be starting him moving forward. Um, as I always like to say, do it again. Yep. Uh, speaking of guys who bounced back and scored a touchdown for the first time in a while, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers mm-hmm. and Chris Goblin. Yeah. I, I, went against, I went against him in six leagues today. So only fucking fitting. Yeah, I went against him in two, and oh boy. <laughs> Only fucking fitting. And I have Mike Evans. Yep, I Mike have Mike Evans. Evans too. Yeah. Just one of those weeks. Yep. Yep. But that, I mean, I, I, honestly, though, that game was fun. That game was fun. That fourth Although, quarter was a lot of fun. And the crowd, the atmosphere, just watching on TV was uh, amazing. I mean, there are not a lot of things I that I say that I give full absolute 100% credit to the NFL for doing, but I think the expansion of what they do with the European or international series, whatever you want to call it, I think is great because they clearly there is interest in, in American football 
outside of the, of the 50 states, and they've taken advantage of that in London. And now it seems like they've taken full advantage of that in, in, in Munich. So well done to the NFL because they put on they put on an absolutely great game. And, and do, do you know the story of why it was Seattle and Tampa? No, but I also want to say next week we're also having a game in Mexico City. Yes. So that's another factor. And yep. you know, the NFL is treating this like their own winter classic, essentially. Yeah, they are. They are. Which is which is really cool. So the story. Yeah, is I want to know what the story is. Apparently, the most popular team in Germany that the Germans root for. Some reason why I don't know is the Seattle Seahawks. Really? That's like Germany's team. Yes, I don't know why. Then the second most popular team was the Patriots. But oh, so Tom Brady. Tom Brady. Exactly. So you're taking the team that Germans supposedly root for the most, mix it with Tom Brady, and voila, there's your there's your game in Munich. And they, they pulled it off. They pulled it off. The crowd was into it. It was a really good game. The fourth quarter was excellent. Really, really, really good. And it was, I, I love these international games, even though I, I hate the 930 starts on a Sunday morning. I do hate that. But once you get up and you just kind of enjoy the spectacle of it, 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 it is a lot of fun. I mean, not to, not to make a pun, but, you know, the Seahawks have Jermaine Effetti. So that's close. Maybe that's what it is as a, as a tackle for them. Ooh. I know, I know, I know. Uh, I thought you were going to tell me the origin story about why the crowd brought broke out into uh, West Virginia by John Denver in the fourth quarter. No idea. I did not even know that was a uh, a popular song outside of uh, the fifty states. But when I saw that, that was um, that was that that made my heart very happy. I'm like, wow, okay, Germany might actually be cultured. Yeah. No offense honestly, to uh, to our German listeners, if we have any German listeners, no offense. Yeah, I mean, honestly, as I was thinking about it, watching the game, I was like, yeah, the reason why they got um, the the Bucks in this game is because, you know, you want to market Tom Brady, yada, yada, yada. But I did not even know that uh, the Seattle Seahawks are the best supported team in Germany. Who would have thought? Apparently. That was... I, I, uh, that I'm was, interested to see what the story is behind that. I'm that was have to shocking look that up. to me, too, when I, when I heard that. I was, uh, I was really, really surprised. Yeah. Well, I hope they go back uh, next year. Because oh, I, yeah. It was really I think, cool. I think they're going to. Yeah. Um, Maybe yes. do one less one less game in London, and you know you do another one in 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 Munich. You know, and you keep you you cap it at three, and then you have your Mexico City game. Yeah, we should do a, day, a game in Canada. That'd be fun. Oh, I'm sure they've explored it. I mean, I guess they have to coordinate around like the CFL. Mm-hmm. I don't know yeah. when the does the CFL play in the summer, or do they yes. play in the yeah they play in the summer? Okay, summer. Interesting. Well, anyway, so uh, this game, Chris Goblin, uh, solid game for him. Good bounce back. I do feel like Leonard Fournette has some sort of personal vendetta against me because I feel like he just every time I count him out and say that he sucks, he just does well for for some reason. See, I'm actually very concerned about Leonard Fournette. No, well, in this game, he did well. I he's injured. I know that he has a he's a hip a hip pointer according to Todd Bowles. But, um, you know, he did do well in this game uh, scoring, but Rashad White looked a lot better 
when Leonard Fournette got injured. And even Keyshawn Vaughn had that key third down conversion. That was really, that was really good. The most important part of this is Rashad White started the game. Yes. Rashad White started the game, which to me, I did not hear anything about that. So when I saw Rashad White was out there getting the first carry, I was like, wait, what? Like I was shocked because they just signed Leonard Fournette to that three-year contract in the offseason. So seeing that they're going to Rashad White, I mean, hip, hip, hooray. I'll pat myself on the shoulder because I've been telling people for the last month of this podcast, go pick up Rashad White, whether you have Leonard Fournette or not. But, I mean, they have to buy next week, so that definitely sucks for anybody that listened and picked up Rashad White. But even when the buy is over, I think it, it is quite possible that maybe Rashad White is going to be a flex level start for fantasy managers moving forward. And if we look at the schedule for the rest of the way at Cleveland, they got absolutely torched by Jeff Wilson, and Raheem Oster today, the saints who got absolutely carved up by Najee Harris, who season high of yards for Najee Harris, the 49ers, which isn't that great, the Bengals, the Cardinals and the Panthers in fantasy playoffs. That's a nice fantasy playoff schedule for for the running game of the Bucs, who they want to use and they love to establish the run. They want to establish the run. So I think Rashad White moving forward, you could be talking about him as a potential flex-level start. And if this injury to Leonard Fournette is greater than him just missing the bye and then being back ready to go, um, coming back for in Week 12 versus the Browns, then you know you have at least an RB2, if not low-end RB1 in Rashad White. Yeah. And I think what some people could be afraid of for this is that this is like a, a Ronald Jones, Leonard Fournette thing in his, that happened in Leonard Fournette's first year in Tampa Bay, where it's a committee and you don't really know who's going to have a big game uh, out of the two of them. But um, I think that the Bucks are going to want to go to Rashad White when both of them are healthy. I mean, that's what it looks like. He is the most important waiver wire ad of the week, without a doubt. For sure. And honestly, you might not have to pay as much for him just because he's on a buy and people are going to be desperate for more immediate returns on free agency or or waivers or fab or whatever. I disagree. I think Leonard Fournette manager is going to go big for White. And if you are are not the Leonard Fournette manager and you want Rashad White for your own – you're going to have to go. I mean, I, I really, really struggle to say more than 25% of your budget, but that might that, that be that might be what it is what is required, to be honest. Yeah, I can kind of see that. Because we see these but, late bloomers all the time. Yeah. But the problem is, is that we don't know if this is sign of things to come or if this is more like a Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott where maybe Rashad White's cap is like 15 touches a game and Fournette still gets all the high leverage stuff. Because also when Leonard Fournette was in the game, Leonard Fournette got the red zone work. So that was also, you know, good for any Leonard Fournette managers that were out there is that in and around the five yard line, he, he still was the guy. Um, But and honestly too, I mean, this goes into a much deeper discussion that we'll have um, on on other episodes during the week, but Rashad White has just looked better than Leonard Fournette over the course of the last, month and a half yep. he's looked way better also thank you for asking the overarching question that 
is just the uh, the great unanswered question of fantasy football. Is this player success sustainable? That is the overarching question of all of fantasy football. I, I and and again, I, I'm 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 buying it. I'm buying it. I don't think that I'm not saying that Rashad White is going to become the Leonard Fournette where he's getting you know if we're looking at Leonard Fournette at his peak. You know, we're talking somewhere in the range of 20 to 25 touches, let's just say. I don't think that's Rashad White, but do I think Rashad White could get 15 touches a week, a la Tony Pollard? Yes, I do. Yep. All right. Uh, Moving to Seattle, um, I think a lot of people were worried about Geno Smith uh, at halftime. A little garbage time. I was like, oh, God, what what did I get myself into? Why did I start Geno Smith? Hi, how are you? Yeah. Hi, how's it going? Look at us. Yep. <laughs> um, I, I, I had that moment. I definitely yeah. did. <laughs> I sent out a few texts saying, oh, here's the old Geno Smith that I was talking about for the last couple of weeks. And the one week I started him, here he is. The, oh God, Geno Smith has turned into a pumpkin. I'm so screwed. Is this sort Gino of deal. playing for the Jets? Is that what I'm looking at? Is Geno back in green? Hey, listen, he beat Tom Brady at once playing is, for the Jets. Is Gino jetting up? Listen, you gotta, you gotta jet the fuck up. All right. <laughs> Gino, Gino, in that fourth quarter, he was jetting the fuck up. He did. He sure oh, did. It was good stuff. It oh, was that good stuff. So that touchdown throw to Marquis Goodwin. Oh my God. So I I, I absolute have, I, have, I have a confession to make. Yes. So I was so annoyed. Going into the fourth quarter, I was like cursing myself. I'm like, oh, why the fuck did I start Geno Smith? Blah, 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 blah. So the fourth quarter, I was in the shower. <laughs> I was in the shower because I just wanted to get ready for the day. I was like, you know, by the time the game ends, I'm not going to have a lot of time. You know, I got to wash my hair. My hair, I had to maintain the beast today. It's not as poofy as it normally is. Thank God for conditioner. Um, but I was it. I was in the shower for the fourth quarter, and I just see Gino throwing the ball all over the place, lock it, touchdown. Then Kenneth Walker going from three points to like fifteen points on a single drive. I'm like, oh, that's nice. Then good. Then the Goodwin touchdown, and I was like, oh, okay. You know, I'm 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 liking this. I'm glad I took a shower. But yeah, Gino and garbage time. Oof, great stuff. Great well, stuff. Almost, it almost wasn't garbage time. I mean, it was only a five point. Uh victory for the Tampa yeah. Buccaneers. Yeah, they had a chance. They, they definitely had a chance. But Kenneth Walker was another one. I was like, oh, God, the Magic's running out for the Seahawks team. This is terrible. But Kenneth Walker didn't really do it on the ground, but he did do it through the air. P- if you had him in PPR, then thank you, Lucky Stars, because that's uh, that's 11 points, basically, 11 and a half points right there in full-point PPR, just based on the receptions alone. Yeah. So, yeah. Yep, and DK had a very DK Metcalf-like day, just just didn't score. But DK was fantastic. He got peppered too, which which I like to see. He looked good, and he looks he looks healthy because it wasn't. It's was only what two weeks ago we were talking about DK potentially being done for maybe the season. He was carted off the field, right? And, he, and they were like, "Oh yeah, no, he's fine." Right? And apparently, he is. Yeah, and he looks he looks healthy. He looks really really healthy. So good news, and despite the loss, I still think Seattle is in a, in a great position to get to the playoffs. 
um, as if not if not a wild card team, maybe even potentially winning the NFC West. Which well, yeah, because that, that division. The, looks, said that before the season, I, I would have said you're out of your mind. Because that division looks terrible. Yeah, it's a two team race. It's be, it's between Seattle and it's between San Francisco. Yep, absolutely. All right, I'm so excited to talk about this game. It's the game of the year so far. Probably it's going to be the game of the year. Minnesota and Buffalo. I learned I was today years old when I realized that uh, Dalvin Cook is James Cook's older brother. So that's fun. That's a fun fact. You didn't know that? No, I didn't know that. Oh, you you clearly didn't listen to all the draft shows Jake and I did. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, they only they only look identical. Well, honestly, I haven't really seen James Cook's face, so I don't know. They are identical. I know they both they both have long hair, so I'm like, oh, there it is. There's the resemblance. But no, I I I wouldn't I wouldn't know. Yeah. But it, yeah, we had a nice uh, Stefan Diggs revenge game. Brotherly showdown. Justin Maybe the Jefferson. most even trade in NFL history. Probably. Although I don't know the draft picks that I like what those turned into. Well, the key draft pick, it was the first round pick for Buffalo that Minnesota used to draft Justin Jefferson. Oh. Oh, so you basically traded Stefan Diggs for Stefan Diggs. You better. traded Stefan Diggs for Justin Jefferson. Yep. You you traded Stefan Diggs for for in his prime Randy Moss, essentially. Oh, Adam, I wouldn't go that far. That's a bit of a stretch. Justin Jeff Justin Jefferson is a very, very good player, but he's not a Hall of Famer. Not yet. If not one of the top, I would say top two receivers of all time. Well, okay. But anyway, yeah, you trade you traded uh, your number one receiver for an even better number one receiver. Yeah, so good for good for uh, Minnesota. I wouldn't say even better number one receiver. I would say a number one receiver that could replicate the production that Diggs is now giving to Josh Allen. Yeah, I mean, some of the throws that Kirk Cousins made in this game, he was playing out of his mind. Yeah, and then the and then the the Kirk Cousins that we know and love came out when he realized. Oh shit! I'm I'm playing in a pretty big game right now. I uh, I can't fuck this up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just a crazy like. Oh, Joe Davis is fantastic. I I love. He Joe was great. Davis. He was great in this game. He was. Uh, he was great in the World Series too. But uh, Joe Davis, I think Joe Davis had an aneurysm live on air when the Bills recover or in the Vikings recovered that uh, botched kneel down in the end zone. For a touchdown. Right. And, and, and you know what? I was I was very like, ah, Joe Davis really isn't doing it for me right now uh, with this with this game a little bit. But then as the game, you know, kind of grew and it got to be like, oh, we have a fucking contest here. I was like, Joe Davis is right for this. See, this is what I like about Joe Davis compared to a guy like Gus Johnson. Like Gus Johnson treats like everything like it's the greatest thing ever. Yes, and, yes, I agree with that. That's one of my biggest it, complaints with Gus Johnson. And it, it just makes it stale. It did, the, mo- the big moments don't feel big because when you call everything like that, then it doesn't feel any different. But Joe Davis gets excited, and when he yells like that, like with the Jordan home run in game six of the World Series, with, this game, with the end of this game, um, Justin Jefferson's catch 
it, it's just great. It was just a great game all around. Um, yeah, he was he was excellent. He was absolutely yeah. excellent with this game. Yep. But Justin Jefferson, oh my god, like what a game for him. He really put the team on his back. I, I mean, him and Dalvin Cook, honestly. Well, I, I do want to say that Dalvin Cook really his stat line came off of one ginormous run. Um. You know, if he doesn't have the 81 yard touchdown, it's not looking as great. It all counts. Kind of definitely, it definitely padded his stats a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, Dalvin Cook at 81 yard touchdown it was like a little bit of a flashback for everybody. Uh, you know, he's looked he's looked really really good since week five. He has five touchdowns. Has the buy in the middle. Uh, he's really been a very very steady fantasy back like he hasn't been he's had his games this year where he's had three games where he's eclipsed 20 point mark but outside of that he's been super steady he's been super consistent he's getting you close to 15 points every single week and you know those kind of guys i think in the game that we play where points are super sexy you you forget about the guys that are just super consistent and super steady and that's what dalvin cook is and that's why i think he really does not get the amount of appreciation from fantasy managers and the fantasy community as a whole, because Dalvin cook really is that, you know, locked loaded, super steady, super consistent is going to get the job done. Sort of running back in a position that is full of volatility this year. Dalvin cook is a steady presence, a ginormous amount of volatility. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and Dalvin cook continues to, to get the job done. Yep. Um, something that's interesting for me looking at the uh, stat sheet and honestly looking at, like I really tuned into this game more in the fourth quarter and overtime, but uh, KJ Osborne got like a fair amount of targets after being held to a donut uh, last week. It was kind of interesting to see him getting more involved in the, in the offense. And um, he just, he only caught four, uh, four of his balls, but there was still 11 thrown his way and that was second most on the team out next to Hawkinson with 10 and Thielen with seven. They, they clearly saw something. They, they definitely saw something that said, you know, we need to be going to KJ Osborne, whether, whether it was a matchup or something, they clearly said, all right, we need to be going to him, which, which, you know, in fairness, if they, if they saw that, then, you know, obviously you have to exploit it. Um, but I want to save Justin Jefferson and I want to group Justin Jefferson and Stefan Diggs together because yeah, that's something that, that, that I kind of feel bad, you know, talking about one and not the other and just, you know, saying the same thing about both of them. So, um, you know, if we want to talk about them now, we can talk about them now. Let's um, do that. So yeah, they both had great games. Um, just Jefferson. Great just games. They had monster games. Yeah. And Stefan Diggs, the only thing that was missing was, it was the score. For him. That's but it. Like, who cares? That's it. That's it. These two, I mean, it, and obviously, you know, we're we're in a year where wide receiver scoring is absolutely through the roof. But you look at the high-end wide receivers this year. Adam, can you make a case? I I, I honestly I think this is this is correct, unless you're gonna prove to me that there's somebody else. But there's three guys that have just been i think it's it feels like every week they're booming it's cooper cup well we'll get to cooper cup in a minute 
unfortunately. Justin Jefferson and Stefan Diggs. I can't think of another guy because Devontae Adams has had his down weeks. Jamar Chase has been out for weeks. Exactly. Um, Jamar Chase was the other one that I was thinking, but he, he's been hurt, so it's not him. I mean, who else? I can't really think of anybody else, really. I'm, I know he's only been back for four games, but maybe Hopkins. But even but even then, you know, he's been 20. He's been like a 20 point guy, which is not bad. Like, I don't want I don't want to sit here and say that, like, oh, DeAndre Hopkins, only 20 points. Oh, darn. That's terrible. But we're talking 30 point weeks consistently out of digs out of Jefferson, like Diggs, look, let's just read off Stefan Diggs, his, his numbers really quick. Just fantasy points, 26.2, Justin Jefferson, 39.4, that's 16.7, by the way, against Miami. You said 16.10, which doesn't make any sense. Did I say 16.10? Yeah, it's 16.7. I apologize. I apologize. I don't know where 16.10 came from, but yeah, 16.7. Stupid. Stupid. I mean, these two these two are locked and loaded wide receiver ones. And you're going to plug them in for the remainder of the year. And oh, by the way, I managed to have them on one team together. Oof. Well, I, I have uh, Diggs on the guillotine team, and it, he's been one of the one of the few consistent performers for me, and one of the few reasons why I'm still surviving up to this point. He's amazing. He he's he, great. He, he is amazing, and continue continue to ride him. Continue to ride him. Continue to do uh, to enjoy it. But obviously, you know, with all that being said. A lot of Stefan Diggs and his fantasy value has got to be tied to Josh Allen. And it wasn't that great from Josh Allen tonight. Now you could say that it could have been defense. It could have been um, maybe the weather. It could have the been injury. Elbow. Yeah, it could have been a whole host of things. We don't know. Josh Allen didn't look comfortable to me. I thought he was excellent with his legs. I thought that was that was the one thing that I said last week. I thought if there was one thing that I think he would be really comfortable with, it would be him him running with the ball, which is basically what he did. I mean, there was a point of this game where he just took took the game by the scruff of the neck and said, "Okay, I'm just going to fucking do this with my legs," and he he nearly he nearly did it. But yeah, the the two picks were bad picks. Like yeah, the, that, over, that pick in overtime, I don't know what he was seeing. Like, I mean, Gabe Davis was triple covered. Like, what are we like? Yeah. I mean, the coverage there, was tight. The coverage was, was real tight. tight. I mean, there was a point where people constantly kept bringing up the stat that Josh Allen never has like never thrown a pick in the red zone, but he seems to always throw picks in the red zone this year. I mean, he threw one against the Jets and then he threw two in this game to Patrick Peterson. And then, yeah. 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 And it wasn't, it wasn't the cleanest game in the world. And you know, how crazy would it be if we're talking about the bills that at one point we thought we were going to run away with the AFC, the bills now having to potentially be a wild card because they don't win their division. Yeah. Because the division's crazy. They're, you know, they're, third, in, th- they're third in the division right now. Am, am I, am I correct? Oh yeah, they are. 
Yeah, they're third the, of the division, which is crazy. And if the Jets win in Foxborough next week, then they will be in first place in the AFC East because they have a tiebreaker over Miami. And is Miami on by? Miami will be on by. Wow, they have to go to Foxborough and they have to actually win in Foxborough? Yeah, they haven't done oh, that This in is a while. Super Bowl 2.0. Well, we'll see. Super Bowl 2.0. I feel it. Feel we'll, it in my we'll bones. See. We'll see. But, um, yeah, I mean, the Bills could, with how this division is, this is like, remember like the NL Central, like in 2014 or 2015, when like they had three teams basically that won like 90 to 100 games? Yes. It was like the, the Cubs, the Pirates, and the Cardinals. Yep. And like the, or no, it was the Cubs, the Pirates, Brewers. and the Reds. Oh, it was the Reds. Yes, you're right. You're and, all right. It was the Reds. Like the the Pirates and the Reds had to play in a playoff series, even though they had won like 98 and 105 or whatever, or 101 games. I mean, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but it's kind of like that in the AFC East right now, where, I mean, with the expanded playoffs, like three teams are coming out of that division, probably. It It just depends on what order it is. Yeah, probably. Pending depending everybody keeps keeps it together over the stretch run. Yeah, it, it definitely is looking like that there's going to be three teams coming out of the AFC East. And that's like either the Ravens or the Bengals. The Ravens and the Bengals, probably. Ravens yep. or the Bengals. Ravens and the, the Bengals. And then potentially maybe maybe you have two teams that come out of the AFC West. The Chargers get their shit together quick. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be tough. I mean, they might flex that game. That week 18 game between the Jets and the Dolphins, they might flex that game. Not a Sunday chance. Night. Not a chance. I mean, they could be playing for first place if things happen the way that they are. I mean, maybe I shouldn't say not a chance. Maybe. Maybe. It's gonna be it's gonna have some implications. I will say that. You know hell would freeze over if the Jets got a spot on Sunday night football at the at the end of the season. They haven't been on Sunday Night Football or on NBC since that game. The, you know, the Thanksgiving one. The, ah. Yeah. Ah. It's like, that game? What are you talking about that game? Ah. Yeah. Okay. The thanks, the Thanksgiving one. Got it. But anyway, I know the Jets are on by and we're still talking about them. Uh, we're still game, talking about the goddamn Jets. But this game, Devin Singletary got his first two touchdowns of the year. Uh, honestly, I feel like James Cook kind of got shafted because he got so close to scoring. And they're like, you're know, going to give this touchdown to Singletary, actually. Yeah, a little bit. But what I also will say is I think it's good for anybody that has Devin Singletary. The fact that Josh Allen, they're clearly looking to protect his arm a little bit. So that means maybe a bit more balance of an offensive approach for Buffalo moving forward as Probably. they want to play Josh, but they also don't want to have him dropping back, dropping back 55, 60 times. Like I believe he yeah. only dropped back 43 times in this game, which for a job for a Josh Allen game is like nothing. So there's, there's definite flex, if not low end RB two upside for Devin Singletary moving forward. Yeah, for sure. And uh, if you were, if you, have the powers of clairvoyance and started the Vikings defense, then congratulations on your win. Yeah, really? <laughs> because I don't know why, unless you knew the result 
beforehand, I don't know why you would start the uh, Vikings defense in this game. Agreed. But that is that. So another great game that was close. Detroit and Chicago. Oh, this game. This game was fun, but this game made me want to like tear my hair out in the first half seeing uh, Swift and Williams just please just do just pleading them to do something. And they both scored, which is great. But I mean, there were times where I'm like, why the hell are you still giving the ball to Justin Jackson? That was, I think that was, I think the common theme of the day was Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift are your guys. And you still have Justin Jackson back there. That's getting six touches in the game. Like I thought that was a little bit confusing. Um, Definitely concerning, though, that DeAndre Swift only had seven touches in this game, where Jamal Williams still was the guy, 16 carries, scored. I don't want to say that I'm officially hitting the panic button on DeAndre Swift, but I'm getting really close to it. I think so. I mean, this game made me almost theorize whether or not coaches play fantasy football. And if, like, Dan Campbell's like, I'm going to pick up Justin Jackson, and I'm going to give him – I'm going to try and give him every opportunity to score so I can win in fantasy. I mean, that would be a huge conflict of interest, but it's probably not the case. But um, I just don't know what's going on with this team because it feels like the coaching staff is like talking out of both sides of their mouth with how they want to use the running backs in this situation. They keep saying they're easing DeAndre Swift back into it. But I mean, DeAndre Swift, we're getting to a point now where DeAndre Swift has been back for the Detroit Lions now. I mean, we're pretty much talking that DeAndre Swift missed, where did he miss? He missed four weeks, including the bye, so three games. And then he came back against Miami after they played Dallas. So he's been back for three games now. And his touches have been all over the map. He had 10 against Miami. He had five against, who did they play in week nine? Green Bay? Yes, it was green. It was Green Bay last week when when Rodgers threw all the picks, and then uh, versus Chicago, he only had seven touches. So the touches are all over the place with DeAndre Swift. Like I would feel more comfortable with it if okay, maybe he had five against Miami, then he had nine against Green Bay, and then today maybe he has twelve. And you know, there's a clear sign looking to just build him up, ramp him up, and you know, get him back to where he was. But the touches have been so inconsistent that. I don't really know what the hell they're doing with DeAndre Swift at, at this point. So it, it's painstaking because I have both of them and I have had to start both of them a couple weeks in a row, but that's just kind of the name of the game right now that unless you have a better option on your bench, you, you kind of have to start both lines running backs and just kind of hope that they both do the business. And, you know, it, it that's a very scary, very daunting proposition, proposition, especially when they have two weeks where the matchups are not great against the Giants next week and then against Buffalo in week 12 on Thanksgiving. Yeah. And I think another thing for this is that DeAndre Swift just didn't do anything either from a yards per carry perspective, getting only one yard per carry. One yard per per carry. Yep. One yard per carry. Dreadful. Yeah, absolutely dreadful. And maybe that's what it is, is that DeAndre Swift, like he just hasn't, he's gotten like a couple carries, but he just hasn't done a lot with the work that he's been getting either. So it's, it's on both, on both sides here where they're not giving him the looks 
But when he gets the looks, he's not doing anything with the looks is the thing. So, yeah. yeah. But who is who is doing something with the looks is uh, Mr. Mr. Sun God, my child. Amara St. Brown, 11 targets, 10 catches for a buck 19. Really nice. Really nice stuff. Welcome. Welcome back to uh, to Amara St. Brown. It's been a little inconsistent uh, since the beginning of the season, but this was a big coming out party, I think, for, for Amon Ross St. Brown. And, you know, you had Brandon Cooks that had half a half-decent day against against the Giants. Wasn't anything, you know, super pretty, but it's also Brandon Cooks and it's also the Texans. Uh, I think Amon Ross St. Brown could definitely take advantage of the Giants secondary next week and have another nice day and continue to build on this performance. Yep. Um, we almost, we were so close to having an immaculate reception or an immaculate stat line. We were one yard away. Brock, right? Brock. Yeah. Yep. Unfortunate. Very, very unfortunate. But uh, the Bears, Justin Fields had another long rushing touchdown. Who would have thought? I mean, he he's looked great. He he did say he was he was like hurt or not even hurt, but like you know sore. Because he yeah, because he he took a lot of punishment. I mean, that last play uh, on fourth down to basically end the game. Uh, he really got uh, got creamed by Detroit. So, I mean, what are you going to do at that point? But Justin Fields, actually, it wasn't just his legs. He scored two rushing touchdowns, but he also threw two passing touchdowns to Cole Komet. And Cole Komet is having a little mini breakout here, which is good. Yeah, Cole Komet is looking like he's got to be a must-start tight end in a, in a position that is very, very thin. Um but Justin Fields, it's his fifth week in a row of less than 200 yards passing, at least 60 yards rushing, and it four of those five has a rushing touchdown. Crazy. His, he's a roller coaster. He is a roller coaster. He's very, he's very Jalen Hurtsy from last year, where it's like, it doesn't look pretty. But when it happens and you know it's going to happen, it's beautiful. And this is where we're at with Justin Fields. And he has a absolutely delicious matchup next week versus the Atlanta Falcons in Atlanta, in the Dome. There is a real chance, a very real chance, that when I do my ranks, I have Justin Fields coming into the week as my QB7. There is a chance that Justin Fields is going to be a top five quarterback for me next week. And I cannot believe I'm saying it. Honestly, I mean, you look at the rushing upside and you're and that's all you got to look at, really. Yep. That's the reason why he led the week so far in fantasy points. Correct. Uh, anything else with this game? Uh, David Montgomery was meh. And I really thought that David Montgomery was going to uh, have a David Montgomery kind of day against bad teams, but uh, the Khalil Herbert injury could be could be good for Montgomery, unless they're going to you know pull out and use uh, Kari Blasen game or Tristan Ebner as the number two next week. Uh, we could definitely see David Montgomery have this backfield to himself, which will mean more more opportunities for touches. So keep an eye out on the Khalil Herbert injury. It's a hip injury. Haven't heard an update on it yet, but 
there's a chance David Montgomery could have this backfield to himself next week versus Atlanta, which would would pro- definitely propel him to be a solid RB2 for me. Yep. Well, let's move on from two games that were offensive showcases to one that was real sloppy. Mm. And that is the Denver Broncos and the Tennessee Titans. What a shitty game. We'll keep this very quick. Ready? Yep. There's not a single Denver Bronco that I would want to start moving forward. Prayers not, up for even Jerry Cor- Judy. not even Cortland Sutton with Jerry Judy now out. Get, which, get well soon. Yeah, get well soon. I, I haven't heard how severe it is, but the fact that he was carted off is not good. Um, but even with that, I still am very anti-Denver Bronco, and even that means Cortland Sutton. Um, I have no idea why I started Greg Dolchich over Cole Komet. That was absolutely fucking stupid on my part. And um, Russell Wilson is terrible, and I feel like I've been saying this now for years. So, yeah. Yeah, he he has looked so bad. He looked really good in the game against in London against Jacksonville, but he has looked bad. He's another one. Nathaniel Hackett. Like, how has he not been fired? Yeah, well, we talked about that off air, actually. Mm-hmm. But we'll we'll get there. We will get to the uh, Raiders and the Colts and the Josh McDaniel should get fired kind of game. We will. It's like Tom Thibodeau. How has he not been fired? How has he not been fired yet? It's a, it's it's amazing to me. Um, and then for Tennessee, I can also make this one um, pretty quick. You are not picking up Nick Westbrook-Akini. You could monitor him. Um, if you're in waiver leagues and you think you can get him, fantastic. But I'm not picking him up, and I am not starting him, regardless of the fact that he had he was five for a buck nineteen and two on eight targets. His previous high for targets in a game this year was on Monday Night Football in Week Two versus Buffalo. So yeah, no thank you. I'm good. Uh, Derrick Henry, I think, really, you know, quite honestly, had his first really bad game since Week Two, and we all know how you know Tennessee really started the year. Uh, really, really slowly. It was not a good game for Derrick Henry. This is a game that Tennessee won, and we're talking about Derrick Henry not really contributing uh, to that effort at all. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, he looked good, though. He, he Ryan Tannehill looked good. He looked he looked composed, uh, got the job done. Granted, not take a lot because, again, Denver stinks. But moving forward, the only Tennessee Titan that I'm willing to start in fantasy is Derrick Henry. It's like Denver consistently just always – has team is like, you know, we're going to have you guys play down to our level. It's going to be a scrappy, hard fought, low scoring, brings you back to the 60s kind of game. And I thank God this game was sandwiched in one o'clock. I, I, I thank the good Lord. Yeah, this game would have sucked in prime time. As a standalone game, I would have turned this off. I would have. Well, it, I mean, it could have been like the, uh, the Denver and Indianapolis game on Thursday. On Thursday Any, night, Adam, anything with Denver, I'm not watching. Yeah, that I mean, that Jack, the Denver Broncos and the and the Jets, when they played, I was like, this game is the worst. This game. Looks oh, yeah. I mean, horrible. I was watching that because of Brees Hall. Then when Brees Hall went out, I'm like, OK, well, I have I have I have no stake in this now. The Jets won. I'm like, I feel shitty after watching that game. You, you feel like you feel like you've just watched yourself be uh, be fed a lethal do- a lethal dose of poison. It's like, I need to take a shower. I need to take a shower after watching this. This is terrible. Yeah, you feel dirty. Um, I mean, also, can the Titans stop using Malik Willis on gadget plays and then having him fumble the ball? 
yeah, it's just it's just not working. He's so raw that he 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 needs he needs a lot of work. He needs a lot of work. Turn him into like Lamar Jackson, like in Lamar Jackson's rookie year when the Ravens were like, oh, we're gonna put Lamar Jackson. It's like the fucking Tebow package that the Jets did in 2012. I'm like, that's ridiculous. Why would you do that? Yeah, something very similar. And I mean, they're trying to utilize what he's good at and that you don't really need to be polished for. It's more of, you know, God-given ability. I get that. You know, you want to use him. You don't want him sitting on the bench. But there are certain guys that, you know, when they come in, you know they're going to be projects. You know you have to sit them. And and Malik Willis is one of those guys. Why do you think the Falcons have been like, you know what, Desmond? We're going to sit. Just don't. you're, You're not coming in for a while. Agreed. Yeah, agreed. But I also think I also think it's different because Desmond Ritter doesn't provide that elite athleticism and mobility that Malik Willis does. Because when Malik Willis was in college, and even at some points, like it, on paper, you could say Malik Willis is probably the best athlete on the field, just based on how explosive he can be and how explosive that we see that we saw him last year when he was at Liberty. But this is obviously the NFL. It's a lot more than just being able to zig and zag in and out of tackles. And obviously he's got to, he, he's got to grow and he has to learn. Uh, he's in a great situation in Tennessee where he can do that. And he probably has the full year to do it. And then in training camp, maybe they look to passing the baton onto Malik Willis to become the starter. But if they don't, then they still have Ryan Tannehill who clearly is getting a job done and they don't have to make a change because they're now what? Six and three. Yeah. Yeah. Surprisingly. Yeah. Six and three. Yeah, well, they, you know, they're a scrappy team, but Mike Vrabel's a good coach. He's the one guy from the, he's not from the Bill Belichick tree because he didn't, he didn't coach for Belichick, but at least he played for the Patriots. So I guess it kind of counts. He's like a half sibling or half branch on the Belichick tree. He's pretty successful as a coach. There are three coaches right now, and I'm obviously forgetting some that, well, there's a handful, honestly, that deserve coach of the year consideration. Mike Vrabel has got to be near top of that list. Yep. Alongside, I mean, he, alongside the likes of Pete Carroll, Mike McDaniel, Brian Dable, Rob Sala. I I would put Vrabel in that conversation as well. Yep, I would also. Nick Sirianni. Yeah, Nick Sirianni's also been he's done a lot with that team. But yeah, all right. Next game, Jaguars and the Chiefs. Good game for Patrick Mahomes. Um, four touchdowns. Really weird interception, but whatever. Um, day at the office. Yep, day at the office. Isaiah Pacheco, though. I mean, Clyde, was Clyde hurt? Uh, no, he, he was on the field. He got two targets, but it was all Pacheco. He didn't get one rush. Nope. Like one rushing attempt. It was all Pacheco. That's crazy. With that being said, am I still starting Isaiah Pacheco? No, I'm not. Do it again. But the fact that Isaiah Pacheco got 16 carries and Clyde got none. Michael Burton got a carry. Before Clyde did, Jared McKinnon got a carry before Clyde did. Kadarius Tony had two carry, had two more carries. Oh, we're going to talk Clyde. about Kadarius Tony. I wasn't even bringing him up. We're gonna, we're going to be talking about <laughs> Kadarius Tony for sure. Um, but yeah, it, it it does look like we are finally getting that transition where 
Pacheco is going to become the the guy for this offense. Yep, absolutely. But yeah, he's got to do it again. That's that's the old adage. Now for Kadarius Tony, on the other hand. I said before that Rashad White is the number one waiver wire pickup of the week. You could make a case that Kadarius Tony is number two. Proof that quiet quitting actually works, apparently. Yeah. Rostered in 47.8% of ESPN leagues. Uh, I would imagine that number is going to jump up to 75.80 next week, especially now with Juju potentially on the shelf with, oh my God, that, that hit was violent. Yep. Violent. Um, I would imagine that he's probably going to be missing next week versus the Chargers. So I would probably say that Kadarius Tony will be my highest ranked Chiefs receiver. And he should be started as as like a high-end wide receiver three. Yeah, but what about MVS, though? Because he also had a good game. Had a good game, had the touchdown, but only on four targets. It's very it, he's just so boomer busty. Yeah. So boomer busty, and, and, and even then, Kadarius Tony still led the Chiefs receiving core with five targets. They're continuing to build them up, and I just think his role is going to expand and expand and expand, even even if Juju plays next week. I think so too, because he's the he's that kind of receiver that the Chiefs absolutely love. Yeah, um, something that's interesting is, I mean, this could be like a. Me having a, a soft spot for underdogs and guy underappreciated guys, but you know, Noah Gray has been kind of good. We're talking oh, no. about Noah Gray, Noah Gray, backup tight end for the Kansas City Chiefs. Listen, you're not starting him, but still, good story. I think it was his first game where he had double digit fantasy points because he scored the touchdown. Yes, well, it helps. You're not picking up Noah Gray. No, I know. Don't do not do such a thing. But it's just fun. Fun to talk about. <laughs> anyway. It's a typical Adam player. Yeah. Just un- very underappreciated. I'm not gonna pay like like I said, not picking him up, but you know, gotta appreciate the underappreciated. But uh good bounce back or isn't a bounce back? I mean he did well last week. Christian Kirk, two touchdowns in this game. Um, but the jet and like Trevor Lawrence looked okay. He got sacked five times, which is not great, but he didn't, he didn't turn the ball over. So that's also good. And nice work. Nice work. Christian Kirk. Good day at the office. Three of four, uh, of his last, you know, four games. He's been terrific. He's been really, really good. I think he's been uh, super consistent. I mean, Doug Peterson said, I believe it was in week six that they had to get Christian Kirk the ball more. Didn't happen against the Colts. He did score, however. Uh, but then week seven on, uh, he's had at least seven targets in each of those games. And he has scored in two of them, three touchdowns in the last four. So really, really good stuff from, from Christian Kirk. On the bye next week. And then his schedule the rest of the way is really good. Baltimore, eh. But then Detroit, Tennessee, Dallas, the Jets, Houston. That is a fantastic schedule for Christian well, the, Kirk. The Jets, maybe not, because he's going to get lost in the sauce against the Jets. If sauce is on him. If sauce is on him. We don't know that. 
they Christian Kirk, he's been moving all over the field. I mean, yeah, he'll probably see some of, of Sauce Gardner, but Kirk can go inside. He can go outside. So I would imagine that maybe Jacksonville, you know, feeds Marvin Jones or something to 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 Sauce Gardner. But he can have he can have a really, really big game uh against Detroit for sure, against Tennessee for sure, against Dallas for sure, against the Jets for sure, and against Houston. And even even against Baltimore. Even against Baltimore, especially if Baltimore, you know, really piles it on against Jacksonville. You can see a lot of garbage sign hours for Christian Kirk. I love the schedule moving forward. If it's not too late, try and buy him. Yeah. That's not it's not a bad schedule, though. It's pretty good. It's a and great schedule. If they are, you know, gonna be consistent in feeding him the ball and get it getting him targets, then yeah, sure. Go for it for Christian Kirk. Yeah, I, I'm loving it. All right, next game, Cleveland at Miami. Uh, not a great day at the office for the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Nick Chubb, you're just happy that he scored in this game. Um, and that's really that. And then otherwise, like, it's whatever. Donald Peoples-Jones is good. But the guys that you actually started, um, Mari Cooper wasn't good. Did, I guess Njoku didn't play in this one. Uh no. Nope. No so, David Njoku. Harrison Bryant did score though. Yes. Uh Kareem Hunt was terrible for you. And yeah, that's that's about that. But I, I, was really, I was really surprised that Kareem Hunt did not get more looks in, in the passing game, especially with the Browns down as much as they were. I know only one target. Yeah, and, that was that was weird. Yeah. Very weird. But for Miami, I mean, the running back strike again for Miami. It was a great yeah. matchup for them. We talked. We talked about it on uh, on the preview show and on the mailbag. We talked. We talked about how this is a really, really good matchup for Miami. Yeah. The only thing is, I mean, the running backs were great, but the receivers. I mean, such a typical fantasy kind of day where it's like, wow, two or three through three touchdowns. One of them was to Tyree Kill. Yay. The other two were to two random guys. So yay, I guess. But that's that's just how it goes. Yeah, it was uh Trent Sherfield. Trent Sherfield and Alec Ingold, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah, but he, he, I mean, even then, Waddle, he was okay. 10.6 points in, in full point PPR. Uh, they'll be in more games where they'll have to throw. So I'm not necessarily worried about Waddle. Again, this is a fantasy gold mine. This is a fantasy gold mine. If you have anybody in Miami, you're playing them because they just pump out points like it's nothing. So yeah, it's very rare that you get a situation where all guys within reason on a team are viable fantasy starts. But Tua, Jeff Wilson, Raheem Mostert, Tyree Kill, and Jalen Waddle are all must-start guys. Yeah, I mean, I, I could probably think of a couple of Colts teams from back in the day. And by back in the day, I mean, like, you know, when Jeff Saturday was playing. Uh, and, like, maybe, like, a couple Falcons teams back then, uh, some team, some Packers teams, some Cowboys. Kansas City, Kansas City from, uh, from a few years, for a few years, Buffalo. This is slowly turning into that. And, and Pittsburgh. Know, I, I, do I? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The yeah. Killer bees. Yeah. True. The Dolphins definitely are a dark horse, though, to win it all. 
They, they, they definitely are. Oh God, I would hate that so much. I could see it. I could, I could definitely, definitely see it. They haven't won a playoff game in like 20 years. I think that changes. I don't know. I think that changes. This is a well-run team. And listen, I'm not, I'm not a Mike McDaniel guy. I think I've mentioned that on this show a couple times. I think he's, um, uh, he's not like cup of tea, let's just say. Uh, but I can't criticize him for how he runs his football team. This is a well-oiled machine. And for fantasy purposes, they're, they're, they're really good. Because it, it's also really rare that you have two guys, Jeff Wilson, 19 touches, Raheem Mostert, 12 touches. Both of them got theirs. Both scored. Both had really good days. Like, that never happens. Yep. Where both are incredibly, incredibly startable. I mean, that's like D'Angelo Williams and, oh, God, I literally just had this. Jonathan, uh, Jonathan Stewart. Stewart. Yep, that's the one. When they went 1,000-1,000. Yep. Yep. So that, that is that. But, yeah, good game all around for Miami. Next game, the Giants and the Texans. And I told you, Giants defense, I told you. Because the Texans looked terrible. I mean, Damian Pierce looked good, but the Texans looked terrible. I mean, they had penalties, and Davis Mills threw a, threw a lemon to as for his one interception. Um, a lot of former Jets, actually, in this game. Funny enough, Lawrence Cager caught a touchdown. Leonard Williams had a forced fumble. And uh, who else? Whatever. Never mind. But um, good return to form, I guess. For Brandon Cooks, he had a decent day, um, kind of what you'd expect. But, uh, yeah, the Texans suck. And you don't need yeah, us suck. to tell you that. They suck. It's just Damian Pierce that you're starting moving forward. But ev- even then, even then, it's getting a little bit um, itchy for Pierce because, I mean, he's not really getting the receiving work that he was. And I think that has to change. I mean, He's also yeah, not he scoring. Had- yeah, he's not scoring either. I mean, he hasn't. He's only has one touchdown in his last four, and that was a receiving touchdown, literally in garbage time in the dying seconds against Tennessee. Um, schedule gets a little bit better for him going forward, um, but then again, I'm still a little worried because this was a stretch that I was worried about with Philadelphia and the Giants, where you know those are two pretty good uh, run defenses. He had okay games against them. Um, but Washington should be okay. Uh, Miami's going to be a little tricky for sure. Cleveland will be fine. Uh, Dallas will be eh, really. But then Kansas City, Tennessee, Jacksonville, it's it's that playoff schedule that is just super, super appealing for anybody that has Damian Pierce. Yep, that's going to be a fun game, the Battle of Texas. Yeah, and Dallas will find a way to lose, I'm sure. Like the first ever game of the Texans' existence? Correct. Ah, gotcha. Like that. Like that. But for the Giants, uh, you know, welcome back to the fold. What year is it where we're like, oh, yeah, Darius Slayton, he's the number one option in this in this uh, in this team. Daniel I Jones thought you were talking Darius. about somebody else. I, I was getting ready to have a stroke. <laughs> I thought you were talking about somebody completely, completely different. It's like 2018 all over again or 2019. Well, Daniel Jones said a couple weeks ago that Darius Slayton is the number one receiver in this offense that he's that he's uh, that he's really looking for, and he's he's 
been okay. He's been okay in, in 12 team and deeper leagues. He's definitely worth a pickup and, and he could be worth a start as like a wide receiver three in those, in those formats. It, it looked like a low end wide receiver three, if not high end wide receiver four um, in 12 team and deeper. But I honestly thought you were talking about Kenny Galladay. I was like, are you smoking crack? <laughs> I mean, I had, a, I, had a, I had a couple buddies that were, uh, that were at this game and the two drops that Kenny Galladay had, uh, there was a uh, near riot that was getting, getting ready to form. I mean, but I'm telling you right now, watch Kenny Galladay get released in the off season, then go to a team facing the giants next year. And Kenny Galladay has six catches for a buck 10 and a touchdown. I'll see it. Kenny Galladay to the Dallas Cowboys. Come on down. Oh no, 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 no. There's a, there's a, uh, there's an ex giants receiver that we want in the Dallas Cowboys. That's that would be fun. Now, if that ex-Giants receiver goes to the Dallas Cowboys, then maybe I'll say that that catch that he had was the best catch I've ever seen. <laughs> maybe. Uh, maybe. But, yeah, Kenny Holiday is, is terrible now. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know what happened to him. I mean, it's the injury, really. Like, it, he being out in, was it 19? With the, with the hip injury? Yes. Yeah being out for most of that season just sapped away a lot of his talent. Oh yeah. But I think it's all, it's also this offense and the state of the offense that it's in. I mean, we also forget that Daniel Jones is not exactly, you know, the gunslinger that Matt Stafford was. That's true. I mean, he did only throw 17 times in this game. Like I I honestly, I think Kenny Galladay would be an outstanding fit in green Bay with Aaron Rodgers. Like I think that, that is the kind of receiver that Aaron Rodgers absolutely loves. And you put Kenny Galladay in that Green Bay offense, holy smokes. I think the position of Green Bay Packers number one receiver has been filled currently. This has to be as, as a number one, as a big bo- big bodied outside uh, receiver that Aaron Rodgers can throw 50-50 balls to. Why not? They don't, they don't have that guy on the roster right now. They do not have that guy. Yeah. I feel like no, Sammy Watkins is pretty short. Sammy Watkins. No, he's not. He's not that guy. I mean, Christian Watson is their speed threat. And then, I mean, Romeo Dobbs is hurt. They don't really have a lot. Sammy, the only the only thing reliable with Sammy Watkins is the fact that he's probably going to have a soft tissue injury throughout the season. Anyway. Kenny Galladay would be interesting to see in that Packers offense. But, yeah, that's, a, that's an offseason question. But Saquon Barkley, we don't need to tell you, he's great still. So that's good. This is a real throwback game for the Giants. You yeah. Know? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, we're moving on to the 4 o'clock slate. No, actually, no, we're not. We're moving on to the Saints and the Steelers. Oh, yeah, I forgot this game happened. And it wasn't even that bad of a game, but it did happen. And we do have to talk about it. Yep. Good bounce back for Najee Harris, though. A little bit of a scare there where uh, he went to the blue tent with a head injury, but he did end up coming back into the game. So that's good. Uh, Kenny Pickett scored another rushing touchdown. George Pickens scored a rushing touchdown. So that's fun. Um, but I feel like the yardage and the receiving touchdowns aren't really there for Pittsburgh. Because, like, if you started Pat Fryer with the tight end, you were kind of left wanting if you were starting uh, 
Pickens outside of the rushing touchdown, you're starting Deontay Johnson. You were kind of left like, man, I wish that uh, a couple of those touchdowns went to the receivers. I mean, this is just a, it's a barren offense right now for fantasy production because Kenny Pickett doesn't drop back. He doesn't throw the ball enough. I mean, only 199 yards passing. I mean, that's not, that's not good enough. That's not good enough. I mean, you look at a guy like Deontay Johnson, who, I mean, I, I listen, I was not a big Deontay Johnson guy coming into the season, but I never thought that I would have Deontay Johnson being ranked as my wide receiver 33 coming into the week. I never thought that that was a possibility, but, but here we are. But definitely the biggest takeaway with Pittsburgh is that Najee Harris, I mean, coming into the game, we had Matt Canada, the offensive coordinator for Pittsburgh, saying that Harris could lose some snaps to Jalen Warren. I mean, Jalen Warren was a factor in this game, but Najee Harris got 20 touches, 20 carries, 99 yards. He looked as good as he's looked the entire year in this game. Most carries that he had in the game this year, most yards that he had in the game this year, the only thing he didn't do really was score. That's the only thing he didn't do. So am I hopeful that better days are potentially ahead for Najee Harris? Maybe. But am I still nervous about potentially starting him moving forward? Yeah, I definitely am because the burn potential is absolutely still there, and I'm not sure it's ever going to go away. Yeah, I think so too. And speaking of uh, players that burned you, Alvin Kamara. Ugh. I mean, the Sa- well, the Saints in general, honestly. Yeah. Well, Chris Olave, get well soon also. Again. Yeah, uh, again. Just a real shame for that. But um, I think the the luster is, uh, has worn off for Alvin Kamara at this point. And um, they might be going back to Jameis after this game. There's the potential. Yeah, there's definitely the potential that Jameis uh, comes back for New Orleans, definitely. Um, but Kamara, two stinky weeks in a row after really looking like that he was, he was back for a four-game stretch. Only 23 touches in the last two weeks combined, which if you look at week eight, he had 27 touches in the entire game. By the way, that's the week that I played him in about seven leagues. So go figure. Um, I wonder, well, there you go. So yeah, his, the, only, the, his only three touchdowns of the year came against when I had to play him in majority of leagues. So <clears throat> go figure. The um, prophecy. The, yeah, the prophecy was definitely fulfilled. Alvin Kamara just looking to uh looking to absolutely bone me whenever he gets the opportunity to do so. But yeah, it's definitely not looking all that rosy right now for Alvin Kamara and his fantasy managers. Um I will say though, looking at his schedule moving forward, that there is definitely the possibility for more burn just because the Rams, even though they allowed two rushing touchdowns today to James Conner, uh San Francisco and Tampa Bay both on the road before the bye. That's not that great. But then Atlanta, Cleveland, Philadelphia and fantasy playoffs. That's fine. That's fine. Especially the first two Atlanta and Cleveland. I like those matchups a lot for him. Yeah. But I feel like this would have been, this is the kind of game script that you would want Alvin Kamara to be in where they're throwing the ball a lot, but Alvin Kamara only got uh, four targets in this game. Juwan Johnson got seven. He led the team in targets. So, I mean, I don't know. This team's a mess. It's a mess. Yeah, it's a mess. The offense is a mess. 
and it definitely limits the potential uh, consistent upside that Alvin Kamara and Chris Olave bring to the table. Absolutely. Okay. Now, now we are moving into four o'clock and talking about the game that should get Josh McDaniels fired. We hope. Uh, yeah, I think a lot of uh, anybody who's involved with the Las Vegas Raiders definitely hope so as well. But first, the the positives. Who would have thought that just using your star running back lets you win games? Who would have thought? Not me. Who would have thought? All you have to do is just use your star running back and give them the ball 22 times, and then you're good to go. Yeah. Yeah, and... And Josh Jacobs actually looked pretty good. I mean, everyone, everyone for the Raiders, like skill position wise. Well, I was talking about Jonathan Taylor, but still. Oh, well, Jonathan, yeah, Jonathan Taylor <laughs> as well. But yeah, I mean, because you've been going back and forth between the home and the in, in the away. But yeah, I mean, both the running backs, I mean, we can just go there. Both the running backs look really, really good. Jacobs scored and Jonathan Taylor scored. First 100 yard game for, for Jonathan Taylor since week number one. So welcome back to uh, Jonathan Taylor. Maybe this is a maybe this is a get right game for um, <laughs> for 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 anybody that goes up against the Raiders. Just a get right game. Uh, but yeah, I mean the biggest story coming out of this was Matt Ryan getting the start for the Colts, and we talked yes. about this on the preview show. We talked about this on the mailbag that one of the first things that Jeff Saturday should have done was reinstate Matt Ryan and have him be the starter. Look what happens. Matt Ryan reinstated. The Colts win. Well, they look like a completely different team with Matt Ryan under center. Oh, completely different. They look competent. Yeah. And how much of that is the Raiders being kind of bad? And how much of that is just Matt Ryan being... Listen, Matt Ryan being a veteran presence and that team where you have Jeff Saturday, who has zero coaching experience outside of high school, and the play caller has zero play calling experience... I wouldn't be surprised if Matt Ryan was like, you know what? Give me the fucking playbook. I'm going to call these plays. Uh, like old school, Roger Staubach, Bart Starr, Joe Namath, that sort of deal. Because, you know, that's just what he's dealing with. You know, he it, it just worked out really well for Indianapolis. And I'm not, honestly, with the amount of shit that Jeff Saturday has gotten, I'm kind of happy for the Colts. I mean, listen, the, the hire is terrible on the surface, but I'm happy for Jeff Saturday. If he could stable this ship, he will prove a lot of people, myself included wrong. And I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for him. I, re- I really am. Despite how, um, how against the hire I was, um, I'm rooting for him. Um, because like he said, this isn't an audition just for the Colts job. It's an audition potentially for 31 other teams. So if he does really well with the Colts and the Colts don't hire him, he can have a role as a coach on some other team if he wants it. Yeah. Exactly. He could be a coach wherever he wants. He could do whatever he wants. He wants to be offensive line coach. Great. He wants to be an offensive coordinator. Cool. He wants to be a head coach. He could potentially do it. If if yeah. this all if this all goes to uh, all goes to plan, and it's also it's also not like Jeff Saturday wasn't in the building because he was around the team. He was he was a consultant for for the organization, so he was around the team, but just not in that day to day footballing aspect. Whereas now he most certainly is, but obviously with Matt Ryan at the helm, it's great for Jonathan Taylor. It's great for Michael Pittman, who had a very nice game. Uh, Paris Campbell had a really good game as well. So if you held on to Michael Pittman and you experienced those uh, dreaded, dark, awful uh, two weeks where Sam Ellinger was a starter, congratulations. Because better days, I think, are ahead. 
now that Matt Ryan is back as a starter with uh, with Michael Pittman uh, for the Indianapolis Colts. So sounds like praise, praise be that Matt Ryan is back. Sounds like I you're projecting that a little bit. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> but well, listen, it's not like I don't. It's yeah, I don't do that. I never do that. I never project my own fantasy struggles on uh, on the pre- on the review show ever. Ever well, do listen, that. listen, I mean, when you have when you have Michael Pittman, only one share of Michael Pittman, but it's on a team where you have DeAndre Hopkins, Stefan Diggs and Justin Jefferson. I mean, I'm just living in true poverty there at the wide receiver position. Yeah, well, you, you have him in the in the non guillotine as well. Pittman. You don't No. Oh, no. Oh, you just. Oh, it's Taylor. Never mind. No, I have Jonathan Taylor there. Yes. Never mind. But still. It did sound a little bit like that. Anyway, uh, yeah. So the Raiders. Oh boy, the Raiders. I mean, listen, Devonte Adams, good for you. Uh, with that forty-eight yard touchdown. Yep. Uh, and Foster Moreau. Yep. Almost won the game. Almost. So close. It was really close. He was really, really, really close, but. Um, yeah, the Raiders just stink. Raiders just freaking stink. But Jacobs look good, Devontae Adams look good, and Foster Moreau, you could probably pick him up and start him if you really want if you really wanted to. Um, given he scored, he could have scored twice. Maybe if he scored twice, he definitely was get was getting picked up in a whole host of leagues. Um, the only concern that I have with Foster Moreau is the four targets that he got. It's not exactly, you know, that great. Um, but with that being said, he got he got the lone touchdown. So if you're playing touchdown roulette with the tight end position, Foster Moreau could be a good shout. But yeah, this is really only a two man offense that you want to be going to every single week, and that's what Josh Jacobs says with Devontae Adams. Yeah, exactly. All right, next game is the Cowboys. Do you want to save this for last, or you want to talk about this now? We can talk about it right now. Okay, Cowboys Packers. Uh. Dumb coaching decisions aside, great game for CD Lamb, great game for Dalton Schultz, surprise inactive, which was uh, Zeke Elliott or Zeke Elliott, surprise inactive in this game. Yes. So Tony Pollard got the work and he did well. Well, I was I mean I was told I was told that around two thirty that Zeke wasn't going to play. I mean he he didn't even put on pads to go out for to warm up. So. That suggested that, you know, he wasn't close. Yeah. But usually they like, well, I guess they don't. A lot of guys just go into the week questionable. So he wasn't even out there in street clothes to potentially try and give it a go to stretch or something. I was told Zeke did not even step foot onto the field to physically participate in any way. Well, there you go. So not great, but uh, still Tony Pollard did well. And that's what you could hope for. Malik not Davis. great. I mean, hell, hell, I, I freaking love it. 25 touches for Tony Pollard, uh, 128 total yards of offense, a touchdown. I mean, yeah, sorry. I love you, Zeke. But at this, at this point, it's just kind of like, um, I think not to get political, but one of my, one of my, one of my buddies today, he actually made a very good comparison. He said that Ezekiel Elliott is kind of like Donald Trump, old news, washed up, 
yesteryear. And Tony Pollard is Ron DeSantis. <laughs> the future. <laughs> I was like, you know, you know. Oh my God. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I like that. And he's not wrong. I mean, he's he's not wrong. I mean, Tony Pollard is the future. He is. And look, he showed that even with Malik Davis getting five carries, and, and also Malik Davis looked. He looked pretty good. I mean, over seven yards a carry. Yeah. Hey, that's, that's that 17-yard run was pretty was pretty nice. Yeah. For him. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely was. Uh, but listen, please, for the love of God, just have Tony Pollard be the guy. Have Tony Pollard just give us to keep us to himself. And we're and we're fine. Uh, but overall, Dalton Schultz got his touchdown. Great. Eight targets. Awesome. Love that. CeeDee Lamb. It's a shame they lost. Holy shit. 15 targets, two scores, 150 yards on 11 catches, 38 fantasy points. I believe that was the number three score of the week, number two score of the week. So far. So far. So far with uh, nothing happening in this uh, Sunday night game. As far as I'm as far as I'm aware. Well, yeah. I mean, nobody, it's not really great. It's 13 to three Chargers at this point. Fantastic. I mean, I haven't seen who scored. Um, but with that, with that being said, um, yeah, how the fuck Dallas lost this game? I have no idea. Uh, I'm not going to be going into conjecture about that. Uh, we can swiftly move on to the Packers. And what the fuck did I tell you about Aaron Rodgers? What does he do? He owns the Dallas Cowboys. He's mad at that. And when he's, it's, the combination of Aaron Rodgers winning against the Cowboys and him being mad as fuck after what happened in Detroit, he was like, I'm going to do, I'm going to do this. I mean, he was, if the Packers had lost this game, the one, the storyline that everybody would have been, would have been talking about was what he said to Mike or Matt LaFleur on the sideline after that fourth down. Yep. But did I not but call this? Did you, I not call this? You did. Of course. This is a classic game that the Cowboys lose. Classic. I've seen this script so many freaking times. I was surprised that this is the first overtime game between the Packers and the Cowboys. That surprised me. That really did surprise me. I was I was I was a little bit shocked by that. Uh, I just want to apologize that it wasn't exact. It wasn't exactly three seventy five and three. That it was only two twenty four and three. I, I sincerely apologize. That I didn't get that one hundred percent right. But the 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 the, the the premise of it I, I I got was that Aaron Rodgers was going to uh, take himself out and drag it all over the Cowboys, and that's exactly what happened. He really did, and we got to talk about Christian Watson now. Oh, yeah. I mean, before we get to Christian Watson, uh, Aaron Jones, 26 carries, uh, touchdown there. Aaron Jones kills the Cowboys. Oh, he always has. His first big game, I remember, being against the Cowboys. Five touchdowns. Get... Wait, what? He had five touchdowns against the Cowboys. That was that game. It wasn't. His, I don't think it was his first big game against Dallas, but he he had five touchdowns against Dallas. Oh, I do not remember that. But I remember his first big game because I had him in fantasy, or I picked him up on waivers. It was like in 2017 or something because Todd Montgomery got injured, and that was like the Aaron Jones breakout where he had like 130 yards and two touchdowns or something like that. Kind of similar to this, but that was in uh, in Jerry World. 2019, 
2019. 19 carries for 107 yards, four touchdowns, seven catches on eight targets for 75 yards. Oh, wow. Sorry. I was off by one touchdown. Still, though. Yep. I remember that game. I remember that game. You want to know how I remember that game? That was the day I was coming back from Japan. Oh. I landed in the continental United States. I was keeping track of all like the fantasy stuff for the last hour of the flight when the Cowboys Packers game started. I didn't have anything. So I was completely in the dark and then landed, got back onto soil, checked my scores, and Aaron, and Aaron Jones had two touchdowns already. And I just saw a third, fourth. I'm like, oh, great. Lovely. Awesome stuff. Uh, but yeah, we can talk about Christian Watson now. Yeah. Well, I don't really remember that because we were in podcast limbo at the time. Yes. Because we, we did not do a, a show that week or that year. Um, also, the Jets were just, that was the first year of Adam Gase. Ugh. They did go seven and nine, but still. Ugh. Fair. Anyway. Uh, yeah. Christian Watson. So, I mean, how much fabric are you spending on Christian Watson? Because he's probably available. Oh, he's definitely available. I believe he's owned uh, rostered in about 5.8% of ESPN leagues and 8% of Yahoo leagues. Um, I'd be dropping around 15, 20% on Christian Watson. And if, if you have a bigger need at receiver, uh, you could probably drop somewhere in the range of 20, 25%. I, I would, I wouldn't be going there, the 20, 25% mark, but I think 15, 20%, you should be able to get him. Yeah. Because I mean, listen, he's not going to score three touchdowns every single week, but he has really formed a connection with Aaron Rodgers, and the Packers just don't have any receivers at this point. Like they're, you know, they don't have Romeo Dobbs, they don't have Randall Cobb, um, and it's basically just there. It's three guys that caught passes today. It's Watkins, Christian Watson, and Alan Lazard. Yep. Who are who are your guys? Yeah, and Alan Lazard didn't score, which was for once which was rather surprising. All right. Well, that is that for that. And Thank then God. the uh, backup quarterback show is our last game. Fantastic. We can get through this one quick. Um, for the Rams, John Walford was absolutely brutal. Uh, that was quite terrible. Really, really surprised that Kyron Williams didn't get more of a look. Maybe this was just more easing back in, see how he does. Um, but Darrell Henderson did get the lone rushing touchdown for the Rams. Cam Akers had six carries. Darrell Henderson had seven at six carries, seven touches. And then Kyron Williams had four touches overall. Uh, the massive, humongous monster story is Cooper Cup. And well, also Zacherts. Well, not not as big. Well, we haven't gotten to, we haven't gotten to the Cardinals yet, but oh, Cooper Cup, Cooper Cup is the is is the biggest injury story that we had that we've had in fantasy this year. Also, recognizing that we've had Jamar Chase and Javante Williams with with serious injuries. So, the last word that I heard from a source of mine that's close to the Rams was that it is quote not good for Oof. Cooper Cup. Now, what that means, I don't know. Um, my initial guess was, well, first of all, they said it was an ankle injury, not a knee. So that's good is that it was an ankle. However, there is the potential for the dreaded high ankle sprain. And if that's the case, then we're talking potentially 
three to four weeks out for Cooper Cup. I don't want to speculate too much because we don't know yet. Cooper Cup is going to have more tests and more exams done tomorrow. But as of right now, it's not looking good. And based on Sean McVay's press conference um, after the game, it is not good. And basically, I've been told exactly that, that it's not good for for Cooper Cup. Uh, and then the same thing does go for uh, Zach Ertz, only he is dealing with a with a knee injury and not an ankle. Um, but as far as I'm concerned, um, and I believe Cliff Kingsbury may have said something very similar. Um, this is basically what I'm just being, I'm just reading off of um, my messages right now. Um, is that Cliff Kingsbury did acknowledge that Zach Ertz did suffer an ACL injury, but it is not a tear. It, the ACL is intact, so it could be a sprain, which is great news, but it's looking like it's going to be, at the very least, a multiple-week absence for Zach Ertz. In the case for Ertz, it's going to be Trey McBride and Steven Anderson. That'll see more snaps. And then for the Los Angeles Rams, it is Van Jefferson who scored in the game, and it's our good friend Alan Robinson. <laughs> Here we go. Oh boy, Alan Robinson is back to fantasy relevance. And if, if if it is a high ankle sprain, let's let's just play the game that we'll imagine and we'll assume or guess that it's a high ankle sprain. We'll say three weeks out for Cooper Cup. Uh, the matchups for Alan Robinson and the rest of the Rams receivers: Ben Skoranek, uh Van Jefferson, uh, Brandon Powell to do at well. All those guys is the Saints, the Chiefs. And the Seahawks. If it's four weeks, if it's four weeks, throw in week 14, he gets the Las Vegas Raiders. Well, you know who's available. Yeah, but Odell wants to go to a place where he can win. That's true. Which is why, which is why, you know, the Giants are on that list. Dallas is on that list. The Chiefs are on that list. Yeah, the Rams aren't winning anything. No, uh, definitely, definitely not. But then for, for the Cardinals, we talked about Zach Ertz. Um, talk about the rest of the Cardinals. Colt McCoy actually looked quite competent. <laughs> I actually thought this was the best the Cardinals have looked in, in a couple of weeks. If I do say so myself. Your yearly reminder that Colt McCoy is still a quarterback in this league. I mean, listen, he, he, might, have been decent. Dra- he might have been a draft bust in Cleveland, but he has carved out a nice career for himself as a backup. Yeah, he has. He definitely has. And he, he, looked, he looked really good. He got the job done. He... Uh, aided nice fantasy days for DeAndre Hopkins, 10 for 98 at 14 targets. Rondell Moore, 9 for 94 and 13 targets. A.J. Green had a really nice touchdown, really throwing it back, uh, did A.J. Green. And then James Conner, two touchdowns for him, uh, looked uh, very, very good. Um, very nice receiving, or a very nice rushing total for James Conner. A very nice rushing total for James Conner, yes. Um, I, I did get a notification. This is a tweet from The Athletic. Um, that the Rams have said that Cooper Cup avoided, quote, the worst case scenario, which is probably a broken ankle. Um, but that Sean McVay did note in his press conference that the injury didn't look good and didn't sound good. Oh, well, that is not good when they have to factor in how it sounded. Because if it sound if it doesn't sound good, then well, how is it not broken? If it didn't sound, if like you were able to hear something popping, well, he could he could have been wincing around in pain on the sideline, and that could have been the sound that that was heard. I don't know. Yeah, well, I guess you don't really hear that. Never mind. I don't even well, want to unless, think about unless that. Cooper Cup said it didn't sound like it didn't sound all that good, but you know we don't 
we we don't know. Um, but I, yeah, but James Conner, he got twenty four out of a possible twenty five running back touches for the Cardinals. Eno Benjamin did not record a single touch in this game. So James Conner, uh, back fully loaded, and you could start him next week. I would say as a low end RB two going up against the San Francisco 49ers at home. All right. Very cool. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. You can find all episodes wherever you get podcasts. For my co-host, Ed Birdsall, I'm Adam Castro, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.